Um, Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. I invite you to open your Bibles with me there, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. Uh, Our passage talks about John the Baptist. It kind of introduces us to John the Baptist uh, here in Matthew's gospel. And the message that John has is for people to repent and be baptized. It tells us how John is preparing the way for Jesus' coming. Now, in this passage, John is acting as a prophet. And a prophet is somebody who speaks a message of truth from God. Prophets are messengers. And sometimes they have a message that's about the future. Sometimes they have a message about the present. Uh, but their invitation is always for people to hear the word from the God and then to respond, to hear this word that comes from God and then to respond to it, to turn their hearts towards God. Uh, it's probably also important to know that John the Baptist uh, is the, the first prophet that's come in a long time to the people of Israel. Prior to John the Baptist, Israel's last prophet was Malachi, who had come about 400 years prior to John the Baptist. Uh, You can read the book of Malachi. It's right before Matthew. That might be some good homework. It's just four chapters, so you can thumb through it in the course of the week. Uh, But some of the things that Malachi said is that God would send a messenger who would prepare the way for his coming. The messenger would be like Elijah, and he will come to warn the people before the great and terrible day that God will come. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus actually says, hey, uh, John the Baptist, he was Elijah, and he was the foretelling of the prophecies coming true just as I am, uh, you know, the, the prophecies that are coming true. Uh, and it's reminding us that what God had said would happen is happening. And so we're going to read from Matthew chapter 3, uh, beginning here in verse 1. It says, in those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his weed into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Say thanks be to God. And so John is a prophet, a messenger from God, speaking God's truth to people about the present, about the future. Uh, And he's speaking a message not only to those who are gathered there, but it's a word that's important for us today. And John's initial message 
Right? The first things that we hear that he is preaching is to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the people's response was to be baptized. Now, repent is a common message that prophets offer out to us. In the Old Testament, uh, repent was something that was frequently said by the prophets uh, as they would urge the people of Israel to turn back into a right relationship with God. Now, repent, uh, I think, means a little bit more than what we oftentimes take it to mean. Repent is an invitation for us to make a radical break from a previous way of life, a sinful way of life, and turn afresh to God. But it's more than just turning away from sin. Repent is also an invitation for us to live a fruitful life. Repent doesn't just mean that we can feel bad about something that we've done wrong, but it's an invitation for us to begin to think differently and then to act differently. It involves turning around, going in a new direction, having a change of heart and making a new commitment. My uh, little two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, Theo, uh, he's the sweetest kid, uh, but he's an absolute mess. Right? Maybe that's, that's a common two-and-a-half-year-old thing, but this one, he's figured out how to push the button to get water out of the refrigerator. Uh, I mean, he's figured out how to push a few other buttons too, but, uh, but getting water out of the fridge is one of those things right now that's just driving us crazy because he'll go and he'll take a, one of the biggest cups that he can find and somehow quietly, sneakily go up to the fridge, push it in, fill the cup up with water until it begins to overflow and it's splashing on him and all over the floor. And then he'll take the cup and just throw the cup on the ground too. Now he knows that he's not supposed to do this because as soon as you walk in on him and you see him, sorry, dad, sorry, dad. And and it's like he goes to start walking to put himself in timeout because he knows that he's in trouble. He feels bad as he's saying sorry He feels bad as he's getting in trouble. But we don't really need or want him to feel bad. We just want him to think and act differently. We want him to make a new commitment to not do the things that he used to do because while it might be fun in the moment, he's making a mess uh, all over himself and all over the house. That's what kind of repent means. It's not just... It's not just to feel bad about something. It's to recognize that what I'm doing is making a mess all over myself and all over the world around me. And so I'm going to begin to think and act differently. And each of us probably has a multitude of things that we can repent for. I mean, we all have our own little things where we make messes in our lives and make messes in the world around us. And so repentance isn't just a one-time deal, I've done it and I'm good to go forever, but rather it's an invitation for us to, to continually find the places where we've missed the mark and then commit ourselves to God to think about things on His terms, to begin to think about things in His way rather than our own. And so John is preaching this word of repentance and he's saying to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he's saying is that God is coming near. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, this realm, this place in which God is king, where where God reigns, is coming and it's going to be present with us and among us. 
And so John is calling the people to turn away from the world that they have known so that they can see this inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven in, the, in their midst so they can recognize it. Now it's important to note that John isn't saying repent so that the kingdom of heaven will come, right? As if our actions do something to bring it about. Rather, he's saying that because the kingdom of heaven is coming near, because God is drawing close to you, there's this need for you within your life to begin living in his way, to begin making things right. It's a recognition that our drawing close to God, our drawing near to God makes us aware of the places where we need to repent. In our day-to-day lives, as we walk with God, as we draw close to him, we begin to see these places where we've missed the mark, where we've gone astray from what God would call us to. And so we might say, okay, God, I I recognize there's this part of my life. There's this place, this part of my being, this set of actions, this part of my character, this way that I go about things. This part here isn't exactly what you would want. So I'm going to invite you to come in and transform this part of my life. And then as God's working in this area and we're drawing close and we're walking with him, there might be another spot that comes to us and say, you know what, God, I, I, I know you're doing this work over here, but as I'm drawing closer to you, I see there's this other piece of me that, that I haven't really let you into yet. And so I'm going to turn this other part of my heart, this other part of my life over to you and invite you to to come in and do a transforming work. And then as we're drawing closer and closer, we might recognize, oh, there's this this part here in my soul and my spirit where I've just got this hurt. There's this thing that's happened that I'm holding on to I can't let go of. Uh, Maybe it's a, a person that I need to forgive. Maybe it's a situation that I haven't let go of. Maybe it's guilt that I'm holding on to. But there's a piece of me Jesus, where I need you to do a healing work. And so, and so we ask him to come in and do that healing work within our souls. But as we walk with him, as we draw close to him and he comes close to us, we begin to recognize these places where we need to repent. If you're at a place where you might say, I don't think I have anything to repent of, I would invite you to draw closer to God. Because there's probably a place that he wants to do a work in your life and you just haven't been ready for it yet. But it's still there. So John is preaching this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the people are coming out to the wilderness in droves. I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of this coming of the kingdom? Who doesn't want to be a part of God setting the world right? Who doesn't want to be a part of God's beginning to heal all of the broken places within our lives and the world around us? Who wouldn't want to be a part of the perfection of God's presence? I mean, especially for the people of Israel, this is what they have longed for. And they're, they're so ready to join in. And so as they hear this message that the kingdom of heaven is coming, uh, this message that they need to repent, they're going down into the Jordan River and they're being baptized. And their baptism is a way for them to show their commitment to repentance as a new way of life. Baptism at that time was something that was typical, really, just amongst the Gentiles, people who were not part of the Jewish faith. And so they would become baptized if they wanted to join the Jewish faith. And so for a Jew in John's time to go and be baptized, it was essentially for them to say, I confess that I am as far away from God as a Gentile, and I need to get right with him. I mean, it was a huge confession for them to be baptized because they were saying they were so far away from God that they needed that. It was a recognition that people were hearing this message, and so they were preparing themselves. They were getting ready for Jesus' coming. 
And there were people from all different walks of life that were coming out. The scripture says they were coming from Jerusalem, so the capital city, uh, you know, the metropolis, the the big city, you know, people who lived that kind of lifestyle, they were coming out. Uh, The Judean countryside, those people were also going out. So all the country people and all the city people were all out in the wilderness. Everybody from the surrounding area was going out to be baptized, to be ready for the coming kingdom. And among those who were going out, it says, are the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And these were the religious leaders of the day. Uh, The Pharisees in particular led the way in that regard. And they were not just religious, but they were the group of people that was right. right. They believed the right things. They taught the right things. They created the right laws. They said the right things, did the right things, and they made other people who didn't always quite do all the right things feel bad uh, because they should do things the right way. It's the group that checks all of the boxes and makes sure they've got all of the boxes checked that says, yes, I'm a good person. And then they'll tell you how good of a person they are. And then they might patronize you for not checking every box along the way. Not going to oh, you didn't check that box? Well, I, I guess some of us just care more, right? It just, it just means more to some of us. It's, it's honestly really a surprise that they show up and hear John the Baptist, where it's, it's a surprise that they're there where he's baptizing people. Because they parade around like, why would they need to repent? And what would they need to repent of? I mean, they've, they're doing it all right. And this is why John calls them out. Because even as they are showing up to just check out the prophet, it's just another box for them to check. To be able to say, oh yeah, I went out and I saw John. I was there. You know, I, I checked my box. It's another opportunity for them to be able to say, Look at how good I am. They're going through the motions, but their hearts aren't in it. Instead of recognizing repentance as an opportunity to let go of their striving and checking all the boxes and being righteous in and of their own works, they are they're striving to do that instead of just leaning into the arms of the one who can truly make them right. They're approaching repentance as this, I can do better. And they don't really think it's possible to do better. And so the the Pharisees are coming out there and John is calling them out. Because they're not there to truly seek a new way of life. They're just there because they feel like they should be. It's the right thing to do. And so all of these different groups of people are coming out to John. They're repenting and being baptized. And John offers them one last warning as they're out there. He tells the people that though he's a prophet, there is somebody who is going to come who is more powerful than him. He's letting them know that just as the prophet of old has said that there's a Messiah who's coming, a Savior who would appear, the one whom they are repenting for is going to show up and begin setting the world right. Only when this Savior comes, when this Messiah comes, he will have a winnowing fork in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into the granary. The chaff will be burned up with unquenchable fire. Now, I'm not much of a farmer, right? So, like, I didn't quite get what John was saying here. Um, Maybe the Judean countryside people got it a little bit better. But I I I was looking it up, and what John is describing is this sorting process for farmers who are harvesting weed. And so they, they cut it down and they gather it into, their, into the area, uh, the threshing floor, and they toss 
They toss it into the air, and as they're tossing it into the air, the lighter particles, the the chaff, the part that they don't need, that's not useful, that's not good, uh, the bad stuff, it's blown away. Uh, While the stuff that is useful for food, the the heavier materials, falls to the floor and it settles where it can be gathered into a protected place. And so he's throwing out this illustration because he's saying that when Jesus comes, Jesus will sift through those who are truly repentant, those who have borne the fruit of repentance, those who desire a relationship with the God who loves him. He's going to sort through those people and then the others who are wicked, who just like to check boxes, those who think they can be good enough all by themselves. He's telling us that Jesus is the sorter. Jesus is the judge. And Jesus is the savior. John is letting people know that Jesus is coming and how you relate to him matters. And Jesus isn't coming into the world because everything is just fine. Jesus isn't coming into the world because the world is doing good enough all by itself. Jesus isn't coming because there's just a couple of people who are messing things up. And if we just get those people to get it right, then everything will be okay. No, Jesus is coming as God and flesh because we all have made a mess of the world. Jesus is leaving his heavenly throne to come to earth because we haven't quite followed his commands. Now, our church uh, has a preschool. Uh, and to be in operation as a school in Florida, you have to be licensed by DCF, by the Department of Children and Families. And the Department of Children and Families has wrote the rules for how schools should operate. You know, what kind of uh, trainings teachers need to have, the kind of background and education, all of the different guidelines, all of the different, you know, right tools and, and toys and other things, the size of your room, you know, how much should be in there. Uh, they've got all of these rules because they want what's good, what's best for children. They've studied, they've put these practices and these rules together because they want to make sure that the children have the best that's available. And the part of the children and families will go out and visit schools throughout the year to check and see, are you in compliance? Are you following these rules? So when DCF comes to visit or when you think they might be coming, you know, schools start doing all they can or preschool starts to do all it can to make sure it's in the best shape possible. And again, the purpose of DCF coming is because they want what's best and what's good for children. But in the preschool, they all know that DCF coming means that there's a judgment, right? That they're looking for the places where the school might be missing the mark. In their coming, they identify what is not as it should be. In a similar manner, Jesus is coming because God wants the best for us. God wrote the rules of the way in which the world should operate. He wrote the directions for how our lives would function best. God knows what we need and how we should live so that we might have a life to the full. Nobody knows better than God what we truly need because God designed and put this whole thing together. But God coming in the flesh, the person of Jesus, also means that he's going to reveal how we have fallen short. Whether we're like the ones that are being baptized by John the Baptist who recognize the ways in which we've fallen short or or whether or not we're like the Pharisees who are checking all the boxes and think that, I'm a pretty good person on my own, but I'm doing all the right things. When Jesus comes, he's revealing to all of us that we need a savior. In this way, Jesus is like the no that comes from God. He's God's judgment upon the earth. 
Because in Jesus' perfection, he reveals our imperfection. In his holiness, he reveals how we have been broken. In his righteousness, he reveals the ways in which we've fallen short. And if there was anyone who had it all together, then we wouldn't really need a Savior to come. But Jesus comes as the perfect example of what it is to be human. It's in his holiness, in his perfection, we see what we are not. We see that we fall short. Even the Pharisees, and those who think they have it perfect, who think they can do well enough all on their own, fall short at the feet of Jesus. When we stand at the feet of Jesus, we find that no matter our background, No matter where we come from, no matter our upbringing, no matter how good of a person we think we are, we are all the same at the feet of Jesus. There is no status at the feet of Jesus. There's not rich and poor at the feet of Jesus. Your racial and ethnic background don't don't matter at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is not because only some are not good enough and need a Savior. Jesus is coming is because we all have fallen short and find ourselves in need of a savior. So Jesus is coming as a judgment. It's a sorting us out, but his coming is not just to judge. His coming is to offer salvation to us. His coming is good news. He comes because we have been broken so that he can offer us healing. Jesus comes not to point, not just to point out our sin, but As we acknowledge that we have sinned, he's come so that he can offer us forgiveness. Jesus comes not to say, hey, these are all the ways that you're lost. Rather, he comes knowing that we are lost so that he can point us to find the way. Jesus comes precisely because we have fallen short so that he can raise us up. And it's in his perfection and his holiness and his life, his death, his resurrection that Jesus makes a way for us to be made holy. Not by our checking boxes and thinking we've got it all together but in our relating to him. Not in just trying to figure it out all on our own, but it's in seeing him and seeing how much we need him because we don't have it all together that he begins to do this work within our hearts and within our lives. It's as we see him and recognize how we've fallen short and we repent and turn towards God that we see this kingdom of heaven show up and be present within us and within our lives. Jesus is coming is not so that we might just feel bad and say, I'm going to try to do better. And so we can recognize that I can't possibly measure up to God's expectations on my own power, on my own might. But it's to take that step of humility and confess our complete dependence upon God's grace. And then to place our trust in him as he begins to shape us and mold us and make us more and more into his image. Bit by bit, piece by piece, part by part. So as you look at Jesus this morning, where in your life is he inviting you to repent? What part of your life does he want to do a work in today? What parts of your life is Jesus inviting you to turn over to him? What parts have you kept away from him? What part does he want to transform and fill with his grace and with his love? What places in your life are you experiencing the hurt or the brokenness of this world that Jesus wants to enter in and bring healing to? How is he inviting you to turn towards him and to find rest in his grace?
The kingdom of heaven has come near. Let us bear fruit worthy of repentance. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you have offered us this great love, this great gift in the person and the work of Jesus. Oh, we recognize as we see him that we have fallen short. We know that we can't fix it on our own. So we pray that you would come in and do that transforming work within our lives. We confess our need of a Savior. We confess our need of your Spirit to transform us and to mold us and make us into whom you've created and called us to be. So we invite you to do this work. Reveal to us these places in our lives where we need you. Come near to us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.